Welcome back to episode two of season two for the Has Been Hoops podcast. I'm joined again by good mate, co-host, all-round big guy, Chris Anstey. How are you, mate? <laughs> well, I'm very good. It's, it's nice to have basketball back in Australia. It's It seems like it's been a long off-season. Uh, great weekend. Uh, lots of games over round one. Uh, great attendance across the board, what we saw. Great presentation by the NBL. Um, we'll, we'll go. We'll dive straight into the games and maybe we'll, we'll start off with Melbourne United since we started with the throwdown on Thursday night where Melbourne United came away 82-67 to 67 winners. Um, they also played against Adelaide uh, a couple nights later and got the job done in Adelaide unconvincingly, but were able to get it done uh, probably in the last uh, five to six minutes. What did you make of Melbourne United and what was your takeaways from round one? They were really, really solid. They, you know, coming into the season without the import, I thought they looked without the additional imports with just one. I, I was a little bit concerned, but it's, uh, you know, Matthew Dellavedova is really, has a really aggressive mindset coming into this season and, I wondered even as early as a preseason if it was short-lived. Um, you know, just like the All-Stars playing a lot of minutes in front of the NBA scouts, everyone was trying to impress. I wondered if that was Dally, and it is. It looks like we're going to see an offensively aggressive Matthew Delivert over this year, and uh, he was really, really impressive over the first weekend. Um, Ariel Huckporty was, was fantastic. I know you'll speak more about Luke Travers stepping up and perhaps... Yeah, going to another level from his time in Perth, but uh, look, from 1 to 10, 11, 12, United are as deep as anyone in the league. Even in the games, they don't play well. And, and that was Adelaide, I thought. I didn't think United were convincing, but you always had the sense that even when they were down four or five early in the fourth, that they'd find a way to get over the top. They've always got enough players playing well game to game. So great home attendance for the, for the throwdown Uh Great to have Scotty Pippen on the sideline. Great to have other NBA talent, LaMarcus Aldridge there, the professor. Um, just a really fun weekend of entertainment at the basketball. Yeah. I thought it was really important um, for the game. I thought Huck Porty coming off an Achilles injury was really, really impressive in both games. Um, his uh, ability to protect the rim, run the lanes hard, offensive rebound like he's an absolute asset to any NBA team that will get him next season um, and he's an absolute luxury to have for Melbourne United while they wait for JLA to come back into the system um, he'd be a starter on any other team I would suggest pretty much uh, he was great to watch Luke Travers after the last podcast I encouraged him to be more consistent and a little bit more aggressive. I, th I think that's the best version of Luke Travers that we've seen um, so far in the NBL over the course of a two-game weekend. His ability to not only uh, defensively be um, solid, but also rebound, get out and transition, really help push the pace of United. Um, and like you said, 1 through 12, they, they look like, potentially the deepest roster in the NBL this season, which should be a fun watch. Um, Just the one thing on Travers before you move on, I think it's his willingness to shoot the three as well. <clears throat> you know, three in the first game, four in the second. That's his progression. That He has to go there. And he only made, I think he made one of seven for the weekend. But I don't care. that That's going to open up his entire game and... Clearly, he's been given a green light, which I love. Uh, they've won two games without him shooting the ball well, but when that clicks in... I think we've seen the importance of that position and the ability to play that sort of role, whether it was Xavier Cooks 
Mitch Creek. Uh, Luke Travers has the ability to play that style of basketball. Obviously, Mitch Creek is a little bit more offensive-minded what Xavier Cooks was. But if you can deliver that 15, 10, 5 sort of game consistently, uh, he'll find himself in the All-NBL first team uh, going off this first weekend. Um, the Phoenix, mixed weekend. Um, not so great versus Melbourne United, but awesome yesterday versus the Perth Wildcats. Um, I think, like most people, you can't jump to conclusions, and if a, a first game jump to conclusion was ever seen, is probably with the Phoenix. Um, did the second game versus the Phoenix say more about what the Phoenix have to offer, or did it tell you more about what the Perth Wildcats are in your mind? Before we get to Perth, the first weekend for the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix reiterated to me the greatest concern I have for the Phoenix. And we've spoken about this so many times on this podcast is that they can't get a team on the floor. Their high performance program needs to remember that half of that title is performance. They need to get their players on the floor now. Gary Brown was clearly close enough to play game two, two days after game one, but they they didn't allow him to play game one. In in a league that is so tough and so tight, you mentioned United winning a game or winning both games early days. A loss against Melbourne, a team that's going to be challenging for a playoff spot's critical and the Phoenix just need to find a way to get their entire roster on the floor for the entire season. The, their record over the over Simon Mitchell's tenure as head coach was incredibly positive when their team was available. Unfortunately, they had more soft tissue injuries than any other team in the NBL. So I hope for Mike Kelly's sake, I hope for our mate Sam McKinnon's sake, who are now in charge of the coaching at the Phoenix, that they are given permission by the high-performance team to allow their best players to play because if their players are held back, even for one or two games here and there, that could be the difference between them making the playoffs and not. So what does it say about the Phoenix here? Yeah, they've put together a roster that can score. Um, you know, Mitch Creek's going to do Mitch Creek things. I think he's still easing his way into the, seasons, into the season. Tyler Cook is going to become even more consistent across entire 40-minute games. But he, when he's going, is a really tough yeah, tough defensive assignment on the elbows and the blocks. Um, you know, in the absence of, uh, of Gary Brown, I really like Ben Ayers first weekend. Um, but as I say, you know, the, the Phoenix, you know, he's coming essentially for, for Kyle Adnam, you know, fan favourite at the Phoenix, but... They need to ensure they get point production from the guys who are paid to produce points. Um, I think they can compete, but I think they're going to be inconsistent. I, you look at game one, six points from Mitch Creek, um, 12 from Cook, 14 from Cumming and then you, Cummings, and you had 17 from Ben Eyre. Um, not, a, not enough for game one. Uh, conversely, you look at game two and the production that they got across the board uh mitch creek with 23 uh cummings with 18 cook with 23 and 10 like those three need to consistently do their work ben air as you said was solid craig moller made some big plays in that perth game last night defensively took the two charges Blocked uh, Saar at the rim, I believe it was as well. Um, him, Matt Kenyon, um, those two have got a role to play within this team, uh, a team that has struggled with their defensive identity a lot since the start. Uh, we'll get to Perth, but Perth had no answer for... Uh, Phoenix had no answer for Keanu Pinder off those rip screens, in movement, they were getting scored on constantly. Now, why Perth didn't go back to that, I don't know. But 
if I was playing against the Phoenix, any action away from the ball that leads to cutting action towards the rim would be a good option versus the Phoenix. Um, everyone gears up for on-ball defense these days. I think being able to play defense off the ball and understand screens away from the ball and how you're going to defend them become really hard uh, in the current basketball. And while Perth did that early, they didn't do it much after the five-minute mark of the first quarter. Um, the, the one thing the Phoenix don't have on that is rim protection. Yeah, they're not a big team. They're across the board positionally, they're, they're reasonably average, but they just don't have that last line of defence in, in what they're doing. So that is a concern, but, you know, Perth may be a bigger concern. That that wasn't a performance. Well, let's, let's just talk about Perth. Perth. Um, they, they split the weekend. They win by six points at home versus a, a, a jack jumper team that we've just come to expect. We're always going to be in for for the fight. Um, they had Jordan Usher with 35 points, um, Bryce Cotton with 21, Pinder with 14 and 5, Corey Webster with 16. Uh, didn't get anything out of Ty Webster, nothing out of Jesse Wagstaff, who was relegated to bench for the second game um but like the looks of Saar and what he's been able to do what what are you making of this roster after round one i don't think i think they're sorting it out themselves i i, I don't think jordan usher is going to have 30 another 35 point game this season i think that was a real yeah, the tasmania's attention all went to bryce cotton and, and jordan usher was the beneficiary of that. Uh, you know, Jesse Wagstaff, you know, a couple of years ago, I think, found his ideal role coming off the bench and playing six to ten minutes a game. So to come in as a starter shows you that they're not really certain. Um, you know, Ben Henshaw doesn't play first game, uh, has an incredible game, game two. Alex Sarah I thought was consistent both games. Just just oh, on the Henschel thing, yeah, the, I watched the game yeah. yesterday and I'm like, we already knew the kid was good. I'm like, how comfortable does he look in this league already for a 19-year-old kid? I forget who I said it to. I said, I think he should be the starting point guard on this team. He... <laughs> Well, you'd still you'd still argue Cotton, but yeah, I, I think I'd prefer to have him starting than and go a little bit smaller in this league than even having a Wagstaff start and keep that. But yeah, but you know what? It's I'm almost contradicting myself because no. I've never really cared who starts. You know, I think he'll find himself finishing a lot of games if he plays with the type of poise he did in that second. Well, in that um, second game, Sars game. What, any anything stand out for you? Uh, yeah, he just yeah, he moves does. so well. He's so long. He's so young. Um, he's balanced. He's got good touch. He, of all the next stars, has already found a really consistent role within the team. He'll come off the bench. He'll play somewhere between 12 and he'll, he'll get up into the mid-20s some games. But he doesn't seem like he's playing with a level of anxiety to prove himself. I, I think he of all the next stars is comfortable in his own skin. He knows there's a very high draft position coming for him and he's willing to let the game come to him. Um, defensively, he reads the game really well. Offensively, you know, he needs to work, you know, his finishes around the rim, but he can handle the ball. He's got decent touch. Whatever we see in Alex Saar now, you know, Christmas time he'll be another level. March he'll be. Do you subscribe to the fact that he's not starting as a sign that come Christmas he may not be playing anymore? How do you see that? No, I don't. No, I don't. It's you know, I I think that's what his role is. I've, I've been pretty strong on the fact and it was interesting. I spoke to Brian Gorgian this morning and we were talking about next stars and he didn't disagree with me that 
Yeah, we, we, the first episode we talked about the Adelaide 36ers, they had to make a choice between committing to minutes for their next star and winning. I, I don't think you can be ultimately successful in the NBL if your next star is one of your you know, 25 to 33-minute-a-game guys. I don't think Saar gets there, but I don't think he cares. I mean... NBA scouts are smart enough to see what he's capable of without him having to do it over 30-plus minutes a game. I think he, in the role he's in now, he helps the Perth Wildcats win. Again, he seems really comfortable, and he knows it's one and done. So it doesn't have to be about him. It has to be about his development. Um, so, no, I don't think he'll start, but I think he'll continue. His impact on the game and his... The minutes he plays from one to cheesy, how big was your grin when Cook dunked on him and he wanted to fight him? <laughs> I mean, good on you, mate. You dunked on a 19 year old, yeah, but it, it, not so much about Cook, but Sars' response to that. Like, I, I, I liked it too. I liked it. I, I, I liked it. I liked, I liked Sars' response. I, and the thing was, the best shot blockers in the world get dunked on most often because they're there challenging. The thing was, he'd, that was his second defensive play. He helped on the drive and helped on the yep. finish. I loved that. He didn't get it. And, you know, Cook got there before him. I don't even think he dunked on him. He dunked near him. And he beat him to the rim because Saar was still recovering. But, you know, probably said a little bit Fair about enough. both of them, I think. Um, Tazzy, I thought that was just... They're just a good team. <laughs> Scott Roth is just a bloody good coach. <laughs> like uh, that that place at RAC would have been buzzing. I wasn't there this week. Uh, I was I was watching the West Coast Eagles women's team get their first victory of the season. Well done. Um, but I'll be there this Friday to watch them against Adelaide. But I watched the replay of this Tasmanian team, and I just like their grit. <laughs> I, l- I like everything about the Jack Jumpers and what they're able to do. They're never going to have the most talent on the court. But, geez, if you don't bring your own game as far as hustle and the one percenters, Tazzy punish you. Um, I, I, I can't rave about Scott Roth en- uh, enough as a coach. I agree. I don't think... They're often going to out talent teams, but they're going to be in every single basketball. So just game look at their spread of scorers, for example. Oh, what? Drimic, their starters. Drimic, 11. McVeigh, 22. Doyle, 18. Uh, Marcus Lee, 9 and 9. Crawford, 13. And then off the bench, they had Majuk Dan with 11 points in 10 minutes. Like, that's what you preach as a coach about sharing the workload. Um, I think I think they're just they're going to be right around the mark again. I agree, and I, Jordan Crawford was the one for me. I watched him in the blitz, and I wasn't sure. You know, in in watching him before he got here and up there, he had a tendency to over dribble, but I thought he was good. Uh, I thought Marcus Lee, you, you could tell he had had an interrupted preseason, and that nine and nine came in twenty three minutes. I think. He's a 15 and 10 guy for that team over the duration of the season. And they just work hard. You know, they're a hardworking team. And certainly I, I don't have anything negative to say about their first game of the season. I look forward to this weekend. Uh, just out of that game, uh, for the people that love a plus minus, and I, I don't mind it sometimes, it can tell, tell a story and sometimes it doesn't. But... All five of their starters, plus nine, plus three, plus one, plus three, plus ten. It was the bench play uh, where the change in the game was uh, for the Jack Jumpers. Um, moving over to the Brisbane Bullets and the first game in the new era in Brisbane. Um, slow start. I think it was. Well, we oh, saw that across the round with a lot of teams. Ten so, oh, 0 starts. This one was a fifteen. Doesn't, doesn't make, 15-0 doesn't start make for Adelaide, and I think everyone was going, oh, maybe maybe we're a bit too harsh on Adelaide and maybe we've given Brisbane a bit too many props, but Brisbane fought their way back, end up running over them by 15 points as well. 
Um, I've got one big thought from the game, but I'll let you divulge on, on, on your thoughts first with the Brisbane Bullets. Okay, let's stick to Brisbane. I thought Aaron Baines was rock solid in, yeah, he was the guy that got the scoreboard ticking over eventually. Uh, his physical presence on the game wasn't reflected in the box score, but I thought was really significant. Um, I still really like Terrell Harrison, and I know I'm focusing on the bigs right now, but I thought his rim protection was great. Uh, his 20-odd minutes were fantastic. Um, yeah, when it really mattered, I thought Nathan Sobey was fantastic. You know, um, Chris Smith's going to uh, – I'll tell you what, he can shoot it. Yep. Um, it is Chris, isn't it? It's uh, – uh, I, I just thought I'm gonna. He's gonna have some really, really amazing two and three minute stretches as this thing goes, and he's going to have to be really, really closely guarded. And a guy like him can only be beneficial for for Sobi, for Baines, for for DJ Mitchell. Um, I thought Sam McDaniel had a really, really solid game. He got on the rim. You know, he was a big part of them clawing back that deficit in the first half and. It seems to me early days that he's taken a step as well. And, um, you know, what I did like was was Justin Schuler in his very, very first game as head coach in the NBL when it started bad, benched his starters and went straight to his bench. And you got Matt Johns playing minutes in the first quarter. You got Isaac White in there with him. You know, you got Terrell Harrison, Mitch Norton. He went with guys. He needed. He needed to change up. He, yeah, there's a lot of coaches who would have rolled with their starters to peg it back. I thought he coached courageously. I thought he was poised all the way through, and you know, I thought it was a good win for Brisbane again in another cell. Thought another Sam McDaniel was awesome, really good. You can see why he was such a pivotal piece for Melbourne United in the championship uh, season. Why he's been a big piece went healthy on the court for Tasmania for the last couple of seasons um, and just plays his role without needing anything, which I you love as a, as a player. 13-11 in 20, 24 minutes for him. Um, Smith, he's got a body like Lamar Patterson, uh, a much better shooter. That's a come on, a come on, a, a much better shape. He's a much better shooter. Um He's, he's in much I think he looks very case. similar to when Lamar first came out here, not current Lamar. Um, but he looks right. a, a lot <laughs> similar, but if unreal shooter. Um, I like the pace that they played at. Um, the interesting one was Rocco. Like a lot of hype going into this game about Rocco, uh, a lot of hype from the NBL about Rocco. Um I thought he would have played more than 28 seconds. For you, you know what? But, but every coach preaches whether you get one minute or 20 minutes, you absolutely he did. He, make the he most. Two points. He had, he had two rebounds. He had yep. a dunk. He had a block shot. All of that in 28. He had I don't, super coach. He had seven super coach points in 28 seconds. Good on the kid. He'll, he'll, he'll find. He'll find a role. He, he's going to be just like, just remember how young he is. We talk about the 19-year-olds being young. He's I, not even I, there I fully yet. get he, it, but he's one of those guys but, that but, 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 he automatically makes an impact for a team. Uh, and we talked about that 15-0 run to start off with. Like I thought, put if, yeah, anyway, there's a reason I'm not a coach, but I, I, I think with someone with that sort of talent and ability, you can find more than 28 seconds for him, and I'm sure he will go for it. Yeah. And I'm um, sure they will, yeah. The Adelaide 36ers, um, obviously I've... lost to Brisbane, uh, played well for majority of the game versus Melbourne United yesterday, uh, but the last five minutes fell apart and uh, ended up losing by eight to, to Melbourne. Um, Jason Cadet just makes this team run better um he he's a he's a wily vet now um I, th I really liked what he brought to the table yesterday in that game against melbourne united uh, i thought he was super impressive 18 points two rebounds six assists in 
27 minutes. Uh, he also had two steals in that as well. Um, Humphreys needs to be healthy for them. Um, he played well in the first game uh, against Brisbane. Uh, not as many opportunities in the second game. Um, but they need to be able to shoot uh, at a high pace, high clip. The one point I will make is people are putting a lot of stock into Kieran Galloway. Obviously, the Galloways are, are both touted to have big seasons. Um, I think he will become increasingly harder to play because he's a lack of ability to play defence. I, I didn't see – so you can fill me in if this translates. I didn't see as much of the United game as I did Brisbane, but I saw most of the Brisbane game. And the first thing that stood out to me was – keep in mind there's a lot of pressure on NBL coaches to play next stars because that's what the league's promoting to the NBA. I thought CJ Bruton coached the first half really well and part of that was having mm-hmm. the courage to sit Trenton Flowers. And until halfway through the second quarter, I thought clearly he's had conversations with him. Clearly he's managed that relationship and expectation. I thought he started that well and, and managed it well. With, with You mentioned Jason Kadee, you know, and the plus minuses earlier on. He was minus 16 in a minus 16 game or a minus 15 game. And I, I, I just thought he struggled uh, in that first game when he got into the paint. Yeah, for me, he's gonna he's gonna control tempo and he's gonna shoot the three ball well when he starts exploring off the dribble and, and trying to get himself to the free throw line and bouncing off some of the bigs. He's not quite as effective, and I just thought he might have forced it a little bit too much in the first game. I agree. I agree with Isaac Humphries. He's their only genuine size out there, and you know, for me, you look through, you think, where are the points going to come from? And I always revert back to Mitch McCarron. Um, you know, for someone who's paid so much money uh, to drive an NBL team to have four points in game one and twelve points in game two, is yeah, it's it's not enough for your starting point guard to just be a facilitator when you don't have. You know, if that was Shaley with the talent he's got around him, sure, no problem. But I, I think. It's we, we just need to find, and again, it's almost broken record, Mitch either needs to be a scorer or needs to be replaced in that starting um, lineup. In, in the sake of fairness, because I talked about plus minuses for the other team, um, off the bench, Jason Kadee was a minus. This is for the Melbourne United game. Uh, Kadee was a minus two. Kieran Galloway was a plus 11. Nick Marshall was a plus 12. And Trenton Flowers was a plus 15 in that. Um, so the bench came, but the eye test with Kieran Galloway and his defense, I know he had three blocks as well, but any time he sort of got isolated, I felt like um, he was a bit of a liability. Um, there was a lot spoken about Trey Kell and unlocking his potential. I think even unlocked potential for Trey Kell is still not good enough for what they need out of that position. Um their, their roster doesn't scare you. Again, like every NBL team's got talent. Adelaide's got a budget in line with the top teams in this league. I, I just, you mentioned it last week, I struggle to understand their identity, even if you look through the non-imports. It's a hodgepodge of local talent that I don't quite understand how they fit together. So CJ Bruton has a monumental task on his hand to get those guys on the same page to understand his most productive, consistent lineups. And you know, there's going to be increasing pressure on on the Adelaide 36ers to win games of basketball very, very quickly this season. Um, we're going to skip over to New Zealand uh, first. Um, geez, I, I really like that point guard. Um uh, Jackson Cartwright. Um, Jackson Cartwright. My biggest question came from this game is, when Will McDowell White comes back, how are these two going to work together? Um, Cartwright, Jackson, 
Jackson Cartwright well. <laughs> was re- really bloody good. 25 points, four rebounds, eight assists, six steals as well. Um, and he just lit it. He just lit up, and if you are a super coach player, 57 points for one game. Like, he was bloody good. Um, You had Will McDowell-White, who essentially has the keys to the team. Um, Is it going to be Jackson Cartwright? Is it going to be Will McDowell-White? I think Will McDowell-White, if healthy, has the potential to be a first-team All-NBL player this year. Um. Going off the first game, he looks like he could be first team. Um, You've got two awesome point guards there. It's a, yeah. Any thoughts on that? It's an incredible problem to have. It's almost like United bringing Shea Illy off the bench last season. I I think they get one of the better quality players if they choose to bring McDowell White off the bench and he still plays his 25 minutes. Great, but... I think talent can play with talent. And I think, again, I know it about Will McDowell-White, but they both seem to be unselfish. Uh, there's a lot of switching of all screens in the NBL. They can, they can do that with the lineup they've got. You know, the, the weaker defensive player, you'd probably say is Justinian Jessup. But again, you know, 28 minutes, 15 points, shot the ball well, three assists. You know, I, I thought he was really good. Um then you then you've actually got you talk about the ability to put points on the board. Um, Liafa, we've seen at the Phoenix, when he gets rolling, he's a bucket. You know, in short periods of time, a little erratic, and doesn't defend as well as the others. But New Zealand are the team I saw least in the blitz, and I didn't see much of this game, but. They're really, really... Uh, the interesting really change from the Blitz to this was they were starting Matthew Yang. Uh, they didn't start him in this game. They went with Cheatham in the five spot instead and went with Delaney, Abercrombie, Jessup and Jackson Cartwright. Now, they've still got that next star to add to this list. They still have Will McDowell to add to it. Uh, we talked about Scott Roth being a really good coach. Modi Mayor is a really good coach too, and I, I and I, I didn't I didn't see either of them coming. I, I I'd had Scott Roth at the Dallas Mavericks, and I think a lot of people were surprised by his appointment, myself included. But has overachieved. Or, so no, I, I don't, sorry, he has overachieved. He's got the most out of his group every year he's been here, and Modi Mayor I thought. Was a was a package deal with their last head coach. So what he's been able to demonstrate, I agree with you. I'm always happy to say I, I was wrong, and I didn't see that one coming. And agree, he's been really impressive. Um, oh, clearly, New Zealand for me are going to be a top six team again. They played against the Cairns Taipans. Um, we didn't get to see Taron Armstrong. We didn't get uh, McCall. We didn't get the other import. Um, it's, uh, Rib, what was Ruben Terry apparently um, was was a game time decision? So Supercoach tells me. Um, what I did see from this team is their new big Menenga, absolute find for Adam Ford. He's another quality big, um, and a lot of pressure goes on to. Uh, I think he alleviates some pressure off Wardenberg. Um, and if they can share the responsibility while adding back those other three pieces, um, the Taipans are going to be okay because like the Jack Jumpers, they just play hard and they have a bit of fun doing it. I really like watching t- the Taipans play. I thought uh, Bull Quall looked a little rusty. He hasn't played a whole lot this offseason and you could tell but he'll get better as it went through. I thought Patrick Miller played a good game. He was solid. Fifteen, five, and six. So did I. Yeah, and I didn't. He was, him he was out of the good. Place. They got yeah. good minutes. I, I, I do. I, I, I still struggle to see how he fits that group once Taron Armstrong's back and once. McCall. 
McCall is back. But um, I agree, they were really shorthanded. And, and when you're missing two high-caliber guards, that hurts a lot when you don't quite have that same caliber going around. So, you know, the, the fact that Latmayen starting for them and, you know, you're really shallow on the bench and you're asking some young kids to play big roles. Um, Bobby Clinton remains impressive to me. I just think he's, you know, outside of uh, outside of Alexander Saar, he's as impressive as any next star I've seen yeah. this year so far. Not all. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, shout out to Gak as well for that dunk, <laughs> which was awesome. Uh, I I look at the current NBL and I just go, shit, they're a lot more athletic than when we were running around, Chris. Uh, the way that some of these imports are getting up and one of, some of these local kids, that dunk by Gak was unreal. I think Clipman just find his feet. He'll be fine. Um, he'll find his way. But... The Taipans, when they get those three bodies back, they become fairly deep in talent. Uh, and they, like I said, they're just going to be a fun watch all season. Um, the freeway series, Illawarra and Sydney. Um, I thought Illawarra were plucky, to say the best. The one, My one takeaway from this game was both these teams play at an unreal pace. This was, if you want to go pace-wise... Oh, there's a lot of shots. This this best resembled what an NBA pace game looked like. There was free-flowing up and back, a lot of threes, a lot of on the rim, not much time. It, it reminded me of the old uh, Paul Westhead seven-second uh, offense like, there was shots going up very, very quickly in this one. Sydney uh, get the chocolates in it. Jalen Adams, good. Uh, Jalen Galloway, good. Uh, Jordy Hunter, good. Quat Noy, outstanding coming off the bench. Uh, just contributors Oops. everywhere. Um, what was your takeaways from this game? It was... Big brother beating up on little brother. It, you know, Sydney still have DJ Ho coming back and they, like New Zealand and like Melbourne, are just, they're loaded with talent. Um, they'll win, they will win games on talent alone. Uh, you know, new head coach, get a win under the belt early. Uh, I didn't take too much from the game. I, I, I probably think Illawarra and Adelaide will fill the last two spots this season if they keep something that resembles each of their current rosters. Uh, I just don't think they can compete talent-wise, athletically, with, with some of those better teams and can't see them winning enough games. Your thoughts on Alex Tui? I've liked him for a long time. I'm, you know, In speaking to NBA guys, he's probably not dynamic enough to be genuinely considered as an NBA draftee yet if ever, but certainly someone who I see being a very successful pro here in Australia. Yeah. Uh, I don't uh, – Sydney becomes scary once they get DJ Hogue in the mix as well. Um, they've become very, very oh. talented and very deep in their roster. Um, look, my, my two takeaways is Melbourne and Sydney are clearly the best two teams depth-wise – currently um and then we'll have to wait and see i think i think the wildcats as far as talent probably comes next but there are some really well coached teams out there that we've named earlier uh new zealand probably be in that that basket as well right next to perth as far as talent goes um we're going to jump over to the nba there's been some big trades done uh in the last couple of days I mean, the biggest one, first off, would be that Dame Lillard is now out of Portland and he is with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, a lot was made about Miami making a deal and, and what's happened, um, but how do you like this Dame Lillard-Yarnis combination and what do you think this means for them going forward? 
I think they got better. I for, for a couple of reasons, and again, what I the purest in me likes the fact that Dame Lillard didn't end up in Miami because I don't think a player or a club or an agent should be able to manipulate a league by demanding they be traded to a particular destination. And I don't buy into the fact that, you know, Dame's loyalty to the Portland Trailblazers entitled him to be treated differently. I mean, the loyalty came with hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, he's okay. Um, The Milwaukee Bucks win in this, you know, it's a positive trade for them for a number of reasons. One being they got better. They can score the ball better. They've got now two of the best guys in the NBA that when the clock's running down, at the end of a game or in a playoff series, they can put it in Lillard's hands or Giannis's hands. They lost a little bit on the defensive end, but I think they made up more on the offensive end. Um, maybe outside of the immediate impact that Lillard will have, I think the longer-lasting impact is it could potentially keep Giannis in Milwaukee longer. Yeah, there there was uncertainty about his future at the club if they weren't going to be a genuine championship contender and the owners weren't willing to put together a team that could compete every year. I think they've demonstrated through this that they are willing to do so. Uh, So we may see Giannis more likely than less now to be a one-club player, at least for the next four or five years. So good on the Milwaukee Bucks uh, for their um, element the of other, this trade. The part, well, one of the parts of it was Drew Holiday, who went to the Blazers, who then got traded again uh, today, finds himself at the Boston Celtics. Uh, they lose Malcolm Brogdon, they lose Robert Williams, uh, but now we have a Drew Holiday, Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, lineup the celtics the celtics got it's good on paper, isn't it? yeah it's great they did and and that was the thing with, with drew holiday clearly he wasn't going to end up uh, at the trailblazers but i do like what the celtics have done you know they've certainly increased their ceiling both with pause and, and they lost they, they gained back what they uh, lost with the marcus smart defensive identity that's right. That's right. Now, Robert Williams, they'll bring in another big. They'll, you know, they've got Al Horford. They've got Paul Zingas. They'll bring in a serviceable, a serviceable cheap big, and I think that's all they'll ever need when you're running three of those four on the court at any given time. They don't need somebody else to come in who has an ability to score the ball. So, yeah, those two teams sit right at the very, very top of the Eastern Conference. So the Bucks very get better. The Celtics get better. But in my opinion, the team that gained the most out of all this is Portland. (laughs) So for the Dame Lillard trade, they got DeAndre Ayton. They got Robert Williams. They got Malcolm Brogdon. They got another player. Doesn't matter. They got the Golden State Warriors uh, first pick, which is a top four protected, which is fine. The 2029 Boston first round pick unprotected. Milwaukee's first round pick from 2029 unprotected. Uh, Milwaukee's swap uh, pick swap for 2028 and 2030. That is an incredible haul for Damian Lillard and what they were able to do, considering the offer from Miami was Tyler Hero um, and a few few uh, draft picks. Um, they've definitely come out much better for it. And I would assume with DeAndre Ayton and Robert Williams still there, there's still a piece to be had of trading one of those two to get more assets or more players in to help that current situation. But kudos to the Blazers and holding firm and getting getting value for Damian Lillard on that. I couldn't agree more that they've, handed the keys over to the next generation. And it'll be interesting to see if DeAndre Ayton can be unlocked in a new environment. I think he needed that new environment. Uh, The draft picks help. I wouldn't be surprised to see them move another player or two still, as you mentioned. Uh, Who that is, I'm unsure, but they'll go young. Um, You know what? in, In all of that, you said the team that got better. I still think the Phoenix Suns got better in an in an addition by subtraction kind of way. 
I know they didn't get better talent-wise. I know they didn't do much to change their salary cap, but they've eliminated somebody who didn't want to be there, was cause for distraction, and was youthful enough in a team that doesn't require youth to be successful now. So they've they've brought in another veteran. They've brought in some bench depth. They they don't need a fourth guy to be a scorer. They're, they're going to score all the points they need with their big three. Um, I, it's one of those really, really rare situations where as we go through it in my mind, all four teams I think did very well out of this block of trades. I agree. Um, I'm going to finish off closer to home again. Um, Scotty Pippen has been rolled out. Um, and I'm just going to speak on what the NBL's doing currently and what what Larry Kesselman in particular has been able to do. Now, the thought of getting someone who could trot out NBL merchandise at an AFL Grand Final, an NRL Grand Final, um, in the same weekend would have been unheard of and probably laughable uh, 10 years ago. Um, they brought Scotty Pippen out. Obviously, they made a big fuss. If you didn't see on the telecast, just skip every five seconds and you should be able to see that Scotty Pippen was at the game. Uh, they had LaMarcus Aldridge, as you said, the professor. It became a bit of a spectacle, but um, this was a big one. Like, we don't we don't always get these, these types of superstars um, to promote our game. And what... Uh, the NBL was able to do this weekend with an opening weekend, have huge crowds across the board, promote the NBL through an AFL channel, through an NRL channel. Um, kudos to the NBL and what they were able to do. I thought that was that was big time for the NBL. I couldn't agree more. Uh, again, we continue to take steps to be recognisable globally. And... Yeah, the story that, for me, just to pick up on that, and I'm interested in your thoughts and how genuine it was, is when Scottie Pippen said that he may have ended up here a little bit earlier earlier when he was offered the head coaching role of the Sydney Kings before Chase Buford. Do you put any merit into that actually having been a I'd heard that. Possibility? So, the, yes, I do, because that's something that I'd heard a while ago. Um, and... Who knows what it would have been. The one thing I do know is if Luke Longley says he's got a great basketball brain, he would have made it work. Um, yeah, who, who knows what that would have looked like. Would have brought more eyes to the NBL quicker, probably. Um, it doesn't sound like he wants to be a coach now. Uh, that's why I wonder if it was but, but That's why I said I, I'd had you know, heard it before this to believe that that was an option. See, it was interesting actually while we're on this topic is that when I got the flick from United, I was speaking to an agent who represented Bobby Knight and he had almost agreed to come and replace me as almost the inaugural coach of Melbourne United. So Bobby Knight was going to leave college and be the first coach of United when they started when they when they ended up with Dean Mac and then uh, Dean Demopoulos. So there are clearly some big names the league has been talking to for years, continues to talk to. Uh, I think it's a really interesting time because marketing's one thing, but if we are one of the most desirable leagues in the world the coaching can't be a gimmick. It has to be tried and tested, proven head coaches who can develop players and win championships. So there aren't that many jobs in the NBL that there are not that many head coaching jobs in Australia. And I I, I just raised my eyebrows and I wondered how the last two years would have looked for the Sydney Kings with Scotty Pippen in charge. It would have certainly been an an interesting thing to watch, but... You know, I think they've ended up with the right choice, whether yeah, by design I, or by flu. I fluid. tend to agree. And the one thing that you sort of know now is the better coach teams in this league are consistently good uh, night in and night out. Very rarely do they have a bad night. And what we've been able to see from Modi Mayor in New Zealand, Scott Roth in Tasmania, 
Adam Ford in Cairns is those three in particular have built really fun, hardworking rosters um, that can compete with the likes of the Sydneys and the Melbournes. Um, and in no way am I taking a shot at either one of their coaching staffs um, because Dean Vickerman is an outstanding coach. Um, what we've seen in Chase Buford for the last two years, he's been a really good coach too. Um, as far as X's and O's go, um, you've needed those sorts of people uh, to be able to compete for a chance at a championship. Uh, and so if you didn't have a coaching pedigree or you didn't quite make it as a coach or un unable to make decisions on the fly that benefit your team, um, you haven't you haven't had a chance to compete for anything yet. So, yeah. Mate, before we, before we go, uh, we can't sign off uh, without reminding people who do listen uh, the date of your bike ride. What, what uh, it's, it's under ride it's under two weeks now. So. so it's under two weeks, and you've raised fourteen hundred dollars. Your goal is two and a half thousand dollars. If there is anyone who's listening here, I'll make it really easy for you. You can go to beacons b e a c o n s dot ai forward slash chris anstey we've got our own little page set up it'll link you straight to the page where you can donate for wortho and um you know we heard from homicide during the week and you know you mentioned your dad we've, we love andrew parkinson we've all been i'm sure as we listen being touched by someone who's battled cancer a lot win that battle some unfortunately don't so every dollar helps uh as we we search for a, a cure for a, you know disease is so close to so worth again great job with the ride mate beacons.ai forward slash chris Ancy. if you've got a couple of dollars spare we'd love to get to that two and a half grand for wortho and, 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 and all the money from that goes to perkins so, uh, research um who are constantly working away to try and find a cure for cancer um they've been able to raise a lot of money through uh, from the Macca bike ride over the last couple of years, and this year will be no different. With you know, um, like Chris said, I'm trying to hit my personal goal, but uh, there's a lot of uh, people that come to West Australia to ride for for cancer, and um, you know, it's that one chance that we can all go outside of ourselves to to go through the pain that doesn't even match the pain of what a person goes through through treatment what a family's pain is going through that process um this is a small way just to contribute and help try and find a way to cure cancer you better go out and get some uh, some miles in those legs were though cheers mate